Well, it's over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over. The road trip. The longest road trip of the year for your Phoenix Suns. Six gamer all over the country. We East Coast swing stops in D.C. and New York and Toronto. Ends in Cleveland. One in five on that road trip, Matthew. One in five. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Let's uh, let's go back home and regroup, right? I guess. I don't know what else. Yeah, I mean, tonight's game, you kind of just felt like it was going to end this way. I, this is the Knew way it was coming. sucky teams are handled, man. It's like a team's off that's as good as the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're going to win the game by two points or three points. We're not going to win this game. We're up by like six, eight, ten points. That's not enough. No. It's just the way it was supposed to end. Sorry, Suns fans, another loss. That's just the life of the Phoenix Suns right now. To your point, yeah. you think back to like last season, the last two seasons for the Phoenix Suns. Whenever they were off, they could still find ways to win a game. And right now, given the current state of the Suns, and, and my wife was asking me tonight, she goes, why, why are they so bad lately? And I was just breaking down. I'm like, best player's out. Cameron Johnson's out. Jay Crowder's getting paid not to be there. You know, that's three guys, you know, but, but that injury list is getting shorter and shorter. Right. I mean, if you look at it, those are, those are the only three guys who are out. Everybody else is available these days. Yeah. So uh, for pain, he, he, yeah. he looks like he's hurt again. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah of course. Ahead. Yeah. Goes and injures his foot in the first half. But again, like, you know, to, to those, to that point, it's, you know, we're getting to that point where, it's just not winning. A, it's not a winning basketball team. Culturally, it's not a winning basketball team. And when you find yourself in a situation, as you mentioned, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were off tonight. They were off. I mean, think about this. The team scored 90 points. Donovan Mitchell had 71 himself just a couple nights ago against the Chicago Bulls. And when a team is off like that, you have to have the ability to, to put your foot down, to stomp it out. And the Phoenix Suns, after giving up 15 points in the first quarter, 18 points in the second quarter, and 26 in the third, give up 31. They're outscored by seven points in the fourth quarter. Lose the game 90 to 88 uh, in a classic 1990s basketball score. Yep, just what Chris Paul wanted, right? This is his kind of game to get back into it. Not enough to finish it, but just enough to put up those points. Um, stay in the game because you're not going to get run out of the gym by a team that can't make shit. So this is a perfect game for Chris Paul to kind of get back under, I guess, get back into the groove or whatever, but still come out with the loss. It, it's weird because I, I think that the the way the Suns play defense and the way that they really just gave it all, it just reminds you of just being a shitty team. Like I said, like, it's just, I don't all know what effort. else you're supposed to do. Yeah. It's, it's like when like, you know, you're a football team and you go and you play the underfaded team and you're you like one, one game the whole year. And you go, it's like such a hard-fought game, and there's always one fuck-up towards the end that you end up losing because that's just the way it is. I don't know what it is, but that's how it happens. And that's exactly, I feel like, how it happened tonight for the Suns. Yeah, again, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Winning in the NBA is hard. And we're reminded of that constantly and consistently this season. The record for the Phoenix Suns now sits at 20-19 and 19 on the season. Uh, they're going to drop even further in the standings after this loss uh, because the Golden State Warriors entered with a 20 and 19 or 20 and 18 record. Uh, so we're going to drop to at least the nine seed before the night is done. The nine seed, Matthew. 
the nine seed, the team that a month ago was the one seed. Yeah, we'll we'll get a tweet though from somebody saying to calm down. It's okay, and it is okay. Yeah, it just it's it just it sucks along the way. It sucks losing these games because of how hard you tried, and just knowing as a Suns fan, you're like, this is all. This is the way we have to play every game to have a chance, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a lot of effort. So I don't know if they can do it night in and night out. They proved that they can't. So we'll see if they can continue to they, do this. They certainly proved that they couldn't on this road trip. Again, one in five mm-hmm. on this road trip, the longest one of the year. So that's behind us now, but we knew entering this road trip, even before this road trip began, we knew that this team was faltering. And then we lose Devin Booker in the first game of this roadie, and then we we win one miraculous game in Memphis, or this would have been yeah. an 0-6 run. And uh, it just it, it is what it is at this point. So plenty to talk about on this edition of the Suns Jam Session Podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you consume this content. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Matthew? We got another one. Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, the you know you're, you're you're pulling off that magic, right? I think the Jamsters feel so bad for us on this road trip, going one and five, and and seeing that we still show up and go live after every game. That they're heading over to <laughs> Apple, they're dropping five stars, and they're writing a little just some words of encouragement. They're come on, guys, you can do. This. Thanks, man, for doing yeah, this because yeah. it's gotta suck. Because you know everybody who watches and listens to this show. You get it. You're a Suns fan. You're feeling what we're feeling, but we have to actually sit here and talk about it. You just got to listen and go, yeah. Are you going to be in the chat and be like, yeah, no, you're right. And, or you're wrong. And we're sitting here just like, I have to do everything I can to just check my emotions and not put my microphone through my computer screen. I'm just so goddamn frustrated. So well, dude, at least, at least we'll have a long summer, right? We get a long summer, (laughs) a long break after the season. That's what I'm looking forward to going fishing early. It's fucking January 4th. And we're already like, I can't, I'm planning my first fishing trip. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) No playoffs Uh, this year. No playoffs this year. So, uh, crack them. If you got them, sons fans, I got a Scottsdale blonde here. So, Make that beautiful, sweet sound of opening an ice cold cerveza. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talk about another fucking son's therapy session. Ninety to eighty-eight, the Phoenix Suns lose at the hands of the Cleveland Cavaliers, twenty and nineteen. Now more losses than all of last season. Matthew, the sixty-four yeah. and eighteen Phoenix Suns. We are twenty and nineteen this year. Uh, but it brings me to my first question, Matthew. I got to ask. I think I got to ask. First of all, did you see the? Did you watch the beginning of this game? I know it was a five o'clock Arizona start. Did you get to see the beginning of this game? Yeah, I did. I um, I I was working at home, so what I did is I, I moved from here, from this spot, into the living room. But actually, my mom came over, my mom and my aunt. So when they came over, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna get out of control. Who knows if I'm gonna be able to watch the game?" Because these ladies are nuts. Oh, they can't stop talking. I'm just joking. It wasn't that bad. They were over here for a few <laughs> minutes, and I saw, you know, the beginning where it was uh, ten to eleven. It was. 10 to 13. It was nasty, nasty, nasty. So I didn't miss too much. I just know some defense and a lot of missed shots. It was, it was a gross beginning and the first possession of the game, Chris Paul barely makes it across the half court line. And then we get a 24 second violation. 
when you saw that, did you just say, here we go again? (laughs) You know what? I was like, I was like, no, I I, I was thinking opposite. I was actually kind of like, this is a game where we're going to have to play like this the rest of the whole month until Booker comes back. It's going to have to be this bad. It has to be really ugly. Like the Suns played good defense, but also the Cavs missed a lot of shots too. A lot of wide open threes. Mm -hmm. So they start off slow. Um, When the Suns did get the 24 second violation, I was like, is this going to be the first mistake of many? Are they going to start tearing each other apart because they're not, they're not making it up on their own end of the court. Like they had that meeting where they talked and we heard about that. Let's see if they can hold it together. And they actually kind of did, but um, I seriously was okay with the way this thing started because I was like, this is the way they're going to have to play the whole game, man. Well, talking about the way that this thing started, you know, again, after the first quarter, the final score was 15 to 14. The Suns had six first quarter turnovers, you know, like again, uh, they they've had 25 points in their last two first quarters combined. They continue to be so shitty in the first quarter that it's become contagious. And it, and the Cleveland Cavaliers caught the bug, right? The Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that enters this this game with a record of, uh, what is it, 20, 23? What were they, 23 and 10 entering? Um, You know what, I, I don't know. I know they're 23 the not, not, not 23 and 10, I'm sorry. Uh, 23 and 14. So 23 and 14 entering this game. Uh, or 24 and 14, but a team that's, you know, they're on one right now. They, they, they have the offensive firepower, obviously without Darius Garland in this game. Um, but it was so shitty that first quarter. So I was driving home. I was listening to bloomer on it on the radio and I got home right at the end of the first quarter, you know, but the Phoenix suns went six of 17 from the field. The Cleveland Cavaliers went four of 16 shot 25%. We're of seven from beyond the arc, but they were seven, nine from the free throw line compared to the sun's zero free throw attempts. And that's how that first quarter, first quarter happened. So I'll ask you this. Do you credit the sun's defense, not only in that first quarter, but in this game, are we going to give, are, are we going to start off this podcast with a little positivity and talk about the effort put forth by the Phoenix suns? Or was this simply just a horribly off night for the Cleveland Cavaliers? You know, it sucks to say where, we might be one of those teams that's overlooked now, you know, especially Donovan Mitchell coming off of his 71 point game. And that took five quarters. Uh, I was thinking the, when it started, I'm like, this is just a game where even going into halftime where the Cavs might just be missing shots where they might just be overlooking a sucky Suns team, which is just really missing their best player. And that's it. Um, are we not competitive enough to where teams really have to put forth an effort and just win at the end of the game like they did tonight where they had a shitty-ass game? I think it was both, though. I think the defense was really good. I think that this is, like I said earlier, a Chris Paul game where you kind of you take your time, you kind of hope for some turnovers, you kind of hope for some missed shots, and that you can stay close, and then maybe you can find somebody that can stay hot. And I've said that before where you're going to look for other guys to come in off the bench to score – and get you some threes to go up six points. Like in the second quarter where Suns actually reached 24 to 18, the score is 24 to 18 in the second quarter, and they get a couple threes to fall. I'm like, okay, this is what they were waiting for. Some guys to get hot to get some threes to go up. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of that way the most of the game where they can kind of fend off the, the Cavs where the Cavs would come back and it would be a two-point game. And then it was just like, well, the defense is doing good, but then we're not getting shots to fall. And you know how explosive the Cavs can be, and that's how it ended. Um, so I, I think the defense is there for sure. The thing is, when you lose a game like this and you put that much effort, 
how much are you going to try again next game? Be like, you know what? We fu- we lost. We're going to play the Heat, who can beat us. They're they're not that good of a team, but they're a better team than us right now. But if we put forth this effort, are we just going to lose in the end again? That's what I'm scared of going into the next game. You know, I, I look at tonight, and I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the Phoenix Suns had the defensive effort because it was definitely there. They were a little bit more locked in, uh, especially in that first quarter. Now, granted, when when you take a look at the fact that the Cleveland Cavaliers were 0-7 from beyond the arc in the first quarter, I don't credit that to great Suns defense. It's not like they were taking smothering you know, three-point shots. Yeah. The, the, a lot of those were wide open. They were just missing. We know what that's like. It's happened to the Suns, where it's like they're wide open. They just can't hit anything. And for some reason, they continue to go to that well, right? I mean, the, the Cavaliers in the first quarter took nine shots inside the arc and seven shots outside the arc, and they were 0 of 7 from beyond the arc, you know? And the, the, the point total that they ultimately garnered was from the free throw line pretty much exclusively. Throughout the game, that you know, at least the th- the first three quarters, that was what was occurring. I think that the Suns' defense was solid, and you look through the first three quarters of this game, the Suns had turned the ball over a total of thirteen times, and the Cleveland Cavaliers had turned over the ball a total of eleven times. So you know, pre- pretty even there. The frustrating part about this game is first through those first three quarters, and note that the Suns were up by five entering the final quarter right they're up 64 to 59 but the challenge is that in that fourth quarter they just they they truly fell apart again defensively because those three pointers as you mentioned they started to fall so through the first three quarters the cleveland cavaliers were five of 25 from beyond the arc they're 20 percent in the fourth quarter alone they were six of 11 which is 54 percent they shot 10 of 18 overall in the quarter which is 55%. Conversely, the Suns shot 8 of 23, which is 34%. And I mean, that's the tail of the tape right there. This team that was locked in, if you will, somewhat defensively the entire game gave their best effort. You know, again, it's like you can say lack the depth, but we're not missing too many players anymore. So it's like that that Mm -hmm. is going to be gone here pretty quick. You know, and they they pretty much after everything said and done, like turnovers were equal. Uh, the Suns had more points off those turnovers, but that fourth quarter was owned by the Cavaliers. Uh, Donovan Mitchell woke up. He scored fourteen of his. Uh, how many points did he end with? Twenty points. He scored fourteen of his twenty in the fourth quarter. Game set match. Suns lose. Yeah, who was that? We played. Um... A couple games ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, actually, it was uh, either was it wasn't Bradley Beal, it was another team where their their main scorer scored like two points the whole game until the fourth quarter. And they Bradley kind of Beal did away. that. Was it Bradley Beal? Yeah, I didn't yeah, see I the game, it, but I saw this. I saw the box score. Yeah, it was like he went two eight points. Shit yeah, he fourth. just totally did, and that's that's the way these guys are. You just can't hold them off, and a lot of it was him just like missing shots. Mm-hmm. You know what? He was getting to the rim, and he was missing layups. He was missing his three point attempts. Um, that's the way the Cavs were doing a lot. And we this game was so delicate where any kind of mess up, like any kind of miss layup, especially from like a Sarich, where you miss a layup and you know it's going to be a fast break the other way, things like that were just so crucial to where you have to make every shot and get back on defense. Um, the Cavs, I felt like, didn't run as much, but it's just the effort the Suns had to put into to kind of stop that. And you kind of saw, saw towards the end of the game where the Suns kind of looked tired. Uh, especially kind of Aiden kind of had that body language of I'm fucking tired. 
Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like, dude, if this is like the way you have to play every game, just to get a win from book with Booker being gone. We're not going to win another game. We're not. I don't even care who the opponent is. Like, we're not going to win another game. Like, this is nasty. And, and I'm, you know, Mikhail, they had some shots go in and out. Shaman had some in and out shots, but mm-hmm. that's the way the Cavs were tonight too. But you just can't play that way. It's it's hard to match this team. Yeah, and it just shows you the true value of having a Devin Booker on this team because you have mm-hmm. no one who consistently can hit that shot. Chris Paul did everything he could to carry this team, but you don't have that guy who could go mono e mono with a Donovan Mitchell with a Bradley Beal. You don't have those guys available. And ultimately it allows the opposition to, you know, if you have a lead to chop away at it, get in the right position and then take the lead when it matters the most. And that's the end of the game. And that's, it's, it's frustrating to watch this kind of performance not nearly as frustrating as it was against the Knicks. Cause the Knicks, when you just get blown out like that, it's just like, everything's wrong here. It's just like, God, we can't get it. We can't get the little things right. And when you don't get the little things right and you have to play near perfection at all times, it's no wonder that you've dropped all the way to the nine seed. It's no wonder that you have more losses this season than you did all of last season. It's no wonder you go on the road and you go one and fucking five. And that's just the way it is. There's there, there's nothing there. The, the problem, you know, we, we see it across the fan base right now. For those of you who are engaged on Twitter, for those of you who visit Bright Side of the Sun and you read the comments on the, the articles, which is something I read, all those comments. So if you comment there, I see it. I don't comment much myself, uh, but I, I, I notice that. If you go to even the, the shitty Facebook Suns fans page, the problem that everybody has right now is there's just no hope. No. There's no hope. It's even if Devin Booker comes back. I mean, we rode him so hard he got injured to the point where he's at because we had to ride him so hard because the support just isn't there. The The roster just isn't clicking. It doesn't make sense. There's no consistency outside of Devin Booker. Chris Paul's old. DA's fumbling and bumbling and inconsistent. Mikhail Bridges is the magician who disappears at times on offense and you just take a, and then you have Jay Crowder to distress asset and there's just no hope. And then you hear rumors about Robert Sarver has an ultimate veto on the, on any trade that the Suns have. So it's even if there was, it's just like, I mean, do you have hope? No, I, I don't. And when you see Kevin Durant also having a 12 game win streak with the, know. you know what I mean? And not to say that we were ever close, but we were close to getting them and we didn't get them. So you think we were in the conversation, too, we were going to get them. I don't know what the fuck happened, but the whole Sarver thing is probably what happened. That was probably the thing. But yeah, there's trying. There's no fluidity at all. There's the trying part of the game where, you know, it's like you have to kind of believe in this team and they have to believe in themselves. But like, why? What? Where's that coming from where trying is really difficult for this team? Like, you know what I mean? Like, just belief in themselves. They just look so broken. And I'm not saying the first half. I feel like the first half, they they look like, you know what? Like, we're going to play as hard as we Both can. Both teams look broken. <laughs> yeah, but the but on the Suns end, it's like, we just suck anyways, but we're going to play very, very physical and very hard and see where it gets us. Like, saying they suck, I just mean offensively. It's like, who are you going to go to for a score? Especially when you have, like, Bismack out there with Sarich and – um you know, and I don't know who else, like it's uh, someone, so, Craig, who can't, I mean, Craig can shoot the threes, what, 39% or something, but like other guys where you just don't think of, like, we can rely on shots 
from this guy. Like it's just it's it gets kind of disappointing after a while, but it's just what we have. And if they keep playing hard, something good would happen. But the hope part of it is just kind of gone for me until Booker gets back. But even then, then you have to have him work back into it. I don't know. It just seems like a long fucking season where I kind of just want it to be over <laughs> after games like this. <laughs> not going to lie. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's understandable after going through a one and five stretch, the team has lost four consecutive games. Uh, they're coming off of a month, which was easily their worst month in quite some times where they went five and 11, you know, now they're Oh, and two in 2023. So in the past, you know, so five, 11, five and 13, the last 18 games, this, this, this team is five and 13. Like that's, bad basketball that's consistently bad basketball it's not like you know we're, we're a team that essentially is nearing 500 and if you go through and you look at some of the 500 teams you look like the new york knicks they're a team that kind of throughout well new york knicks might not be the best example because they they're a streaky team they run off eight they lose five they they win four they lose three but there's some teams around the 500 mark who are just up and down they're consistently inconsistent the challenge with the Phoenix Suns is they're consist- they were consistently good at the front end of the season. Now they're consistently bad. So obviously, when you get down in, in these lulls of the season, you're going to sound depressed. You're going to sound like you need a therapist. You're going to be in the live chat and just putting in the suicide hotline for us because it's just it's a challenge right now. And we have no semblance of consistency. We have no semblance of offense. We can't seem to figure it out. The, the, the team, again, that's that, that's how I felt. When I watched or I, I, heard, I listened to the first game of the or the play of the game, and I listened to Bloomer, and Chris Paul's taking his time, taking his time, taking his time, finally gets over the time stripe, takes our whole offense. You know, we're already eight seconds behind, and then we get a, a 24 shot clock violation. I'm like, like, don't you plan the first fucking play? You know, like, don't you plan it? Like, okay, the first play, here's what we're going to do. It's not like, all right, here, here we go, guys. We're going to bleed the clock. Mm-hmm. And the, it, it's like you have – imagine having your football team, and you're sitting there, and you're all excited. It's the first play of the game, they just, like, take a knee. The first play, you're like, what the fuck was that? And, like, yeah. that's kind of a personification of how I feel about this team right now. It's When you're watching Chris Paul go to um, the, the time stripe, um, it's like watching him – just run for the end zone, run for the pylon with like two seconds left in the game. You know, it's the last play. There's a defender meeting him right there. And you're like, come on. When he's basically walking it up or backing it up, it's like its own game in itself, trying to get it to that other side of the court where you have to begin your offense. So we did talk about, you know, Cameron Payne starting. Now he's kind of hurt. I guess he didn't come back. But Chris Paul, I mean, he held it together, but he got lucky in this game where it just was a game. It was an actual game till halftime, till the third quarter. So he looked better. He played better because when the game's going fast, their team's scoring, you're down by 18. He just, he can't do anything about it. Can't. There's just nothing. Can't. And I think it's a great word. You literally can't do anything about it. Thank you. Yeah. You know, well, so what do you think of the Suns' effort tonight? You know, let's talk about that. Because I think one of the challenges that we've had recently with this team is we just don't see the effort. The first quarter has been abysmal. The last 15 games, they're last in the league in plus minus. They're last in efficiency. They're last in field goal percentage. They're they're without Devin Booker. They're averaging like five or six less points per game. What do you feel about their effort overall in this evening? I think it's there. Um, I think it was there tonight. 
And I don't know if it was really there in the past, but there's only a few players I can point out and be like, the effort's not there. I talked about after game, after every game almost, where since Booker's been out, where these guys off the bench have effort. They want to play. They want to win these games. But there's only their ceiling's so low. They can't do more than what they do. And if one gets hot, then you can ride that. But that's not going to happen every game. Like you can see like where Washington Jr. comes in and they try to get him going in the second half, but he's missing everything. So there's only a certain amount that they can do on the court and hold this lead if they have a lead of eight to ten points. They just they can't do any more than that. It's the efforts there. It just depends who it's from. It's mostly our stars that we look out for the effort, right, mm-hmm. to win these games. And it just wasn't there really in the past. Tonight, I feel like it was there till the end. Yes. Yeah, I think so. No, I do too. I think that. The one thing that gives me some semblance of hope is the fact that I saw effort tonight and I just, you have to hold on to the little things. You have to hold that's, on to the little yeah. things. Yeah, you do. You know, that's are you where we're at. It's going to go away though. Like, are you scared going? Yeah. I got to see, I got to see it consistently. I got to see it consistently. I know. You know, so, so you talk about Chris Paul. The point Overall in this game, Chris Paul, definitely a solid performance. He was 9-17 from the field, shot the most points for the Phoenix Suns. He played 40 minutes tonight. 25 total points. He had eight assists. He had two steals. Obviously, Cameron Payne got injured. Foot issue again, it sounds like. Played a total of nine minutes. He, he was one of five. The effort, when we talk about effort, I thought I thought we saw some amazing effort from Chris Paul. He was aggressive. Um, it was one of his best games since it was his return. The only other game he played better was the one in which he was four of six from the the field in the first quarter against the Lakers and had 14 points. In this one, he had 14 at the half, hit the buzzer beater, which always makes me excited. Uh, Did you think we were going to win when he hit that? I was like, oh, that no, might I don't. Be... I, I never okay. think we're going to win anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. This is going to set us up for another <clears throat> oh, point God. <laughs> um, the one thing I noticed tonight. Dude's got no lift left, dude. He's he's so crafty. He's so crafty, but like he has the same amount of lift on a jump shot that I have. You know, and it's yeah. just that's what's, you know, when you see him play 40 minutes in a loss, like that's frustrating too because it's like you it's the most unsustainable thing on this team is to have Chris Paul play 40 minutes a night and try to carry this team for a five game stretch. Give us five games Chris Paul cuz it'll just it's just unsustainable. Again, his craftiness and his basketball IQ allows him to get that final total of 24 points in this game or I'm sorry 25 points but at the same time like it's unsustainable and it just was kind of ugly it was kind of an ugly 25 just because it's hard for him to do it it's like me trying to score 25 yeah every shot is him hanging off a side of a cliff trying to throw it up like 30 feet or 30 stories to try to (laughs) That's what it seemed like. It was like it was a lot of strain. Um, it, it looked like from- somebody who's like halfway down a mountain, and they're like trying to throw rope up to the top yeah. of somebody. Yeah, like, save me! It was a terrifying situation. Either way, I mean, him trying to shoot the ball, but uh, thing is, like he he got a little hot after he made that three, and it got up by six in the second. Mm-hmm. Um, since since that point, he was he was making basically everything he was throwing up. It looked better. It didn't look like old Chris Paul, but there was a time by like the seven minute mark, a little bit above that in the fourth quarter where he looked kind of like, Oh, he's going to 
maybe end this game for us, but it was kind of too early. Mm-hmm. It was like, damn, if this was happening, maybe with five minutes left, we might have won that game. But it was like but it eight was like, minutes left. It was like eight minutes. Where I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and I was like, damn, dude, I just wish it was two minutes later in the game or three minutes because then maybe it's over. But because it was so early, I'm like, we're not going to take this because we're going to do the thing like we did where we'll go to Aiden a few times and that'll probably work, but then we'll go away from it and then no one can really hit their shot. Um I don't know. It was just difficult to watch at times, um, but I like the effort. It's kind of like the LeBron James thing where you're going to get a 40 minute game and you're going to still lose because yeah. of the surroundings he has. You know what I mean? Yeah. And in that fourth three of five from the field, he had eight total points. He had a, a, a rebound, a couple assists, one of two from beyond the arc. He, he hit both of his free throws. I mean, he had a solid fourth, but all that was done outside of like three minutes left. And he played all 12 minutes in that fourth. It was him and Landry Shaman. Landry's the one who went two of seven and had six points, uh, both of those off three-pointers, and but also a couple fouls. It was just, it's not sustainable. That's my big thing with him. My, it's my big thing. It's it, Like you all. said, it, it, like, it hurt me watching it at times. I'm like, oh, man, he can't get any lift. <laughs> you know, I, I tweeted it from yeah. the Suns Jam Session account. I'm like, no lift Chris. Like, that's my new nickname for him. Dude has no lift in it. Even that be... three he made, the buzzer yeah. beater, it yeah. was like he was on his feet were on the ground. He shot yeah, it like like, like, uh, like, like a seven footer. <laughs> his feet were just on the ground. <laughs> like bull bull out there taking shots. You yeah. Know? Um, but I mean, that's just that, that's just the reality. I mean, that's what you're trying to rely on right now is him and Landry Shaman in the fourth quarter, knowing that the opposition knows that too. And the guy that you could go through is DeAndre Aiden. Watch. DeAndre Ayton in this game, very solid, 15 points, 18 total boards. He was 7 of 12 from the field, a total of five missed shots. Three of those came in the final quarter. Uh, two of those, I think, were off of like an offensive rebound. You know, But DeAndre Ayton in this game, uh, turning the ball over a little bit, You know, I think that was one of my frustrating things. He had three turnovers, and some of them were just like he, – here, here's the DeAndre Ayton story. Here's what I noticed tonight. So you have early in the game, you have Chris Paul, you got Landry Shamit, and they're driving to the rim and they're feeding DA, right? Like they're doing that thing where you attack the basket, you draw the defense, and then you kind of do the wraparound pass to DA, and he just, oh, shit. You know, he's like a cat with a ball, just like, oh, shit, and he fumbles yeah. it, right? Yeah. So what I noticed as the game progressed is Mikhail Bridges, Landry Shamit, both these guys are attacking the basket, and they have opportunities. Like DA's just standing there in the paint. And the defenders collapse on the whoever's driving, whether it be McHale or Landry. And both times they threw the ball up and missed the shot rather than pass it to DA. That's the challenge with DA. You know, when we sit there and we observe it and we go, hey, you know, we, we wish that DeAndre Ayton had a little bit better grip on the ball sometimes. And like, don't get me wrong, like the grip was great tonight, 18 boards. We'll talk about that momentarily. Like, kudos to him. But I think that he loses the faith of his team when he does those kind of things. Cause they're like, dude, like we feed you, you know, entry passes are dog shit, but you know what? Sometimes we'll feed you and it'll hit you right in the hands. You'll just drop it or you'll bring it down. Like there was one play in the second quarter in which Deandre dunked it because he got a good entry pass and he, and he grabbed the ball and he brought it down and then he looked around. And he's like, Oh shit, no one's around me. And then he dunked it. And I'm like all that time. That's when the ball gets swatted all the time. Like yep. he, he doesn't just react and it's just who he is, but it's just like, just an observation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he just needs these games. This is the guy that I'm worried about that might fall off. 
a lot of effort tonight. Looked good. I think the, towards the end of the game, he didn't play 48. He played 36, 37 minutes. Mm-hmm. Good. Towards the, end, towards the end of the game, yeah, he needs this. He looked tired. Uh, his body language was all right, but it just it kind of showed me on the court like I'm tired and there's just a weird thing about him towards the end of the games where he just, or the end of this game, good game, but towards the end of this game where it just looked like, dude, I'm fucking tired. This is a lot. But then he was owning freaking, uh, Oh God. Um, Jared Allen, Jared Allen, like Mm -hmm. Jared Allen's probably the best defender. One of the best defenders at that position. Right. Yeah. Aiden had his way with him. Oh yeah. He got him on pin downs. There was nothing, but it was effortless. He was moving his body. He was gaining position. He was fighting for stuff, but he was doing it the right way where he wouldn't get the foul called. That was like, what the fuck? Like, this is awesome. Like keep doing that. And that's the thing with him is like, he needs these reps like this kind of game where he's going to have the physicality. He's going to have the attempts. He's going to have, a lot of lot of looks like he has he had the ball i felt like a lot tonight but he needs to continue to do this every fucking night because he'll get more comfortable because you can see sometimes when he's down there like he said the little pump fakes even when he's going up like that one where he kept getting blocked and called the jump ball even that one you can tell how nervous he gets when he has the ball in his eye you can tell he just gets a little nervous he gets a little flustered because he knows what he does is always goes down and he can't stop that it's just a yeah, reaction a, he always a, has yep. So he needs to get like at least five to seven touches down there to where he's just going straight up. And if he continues to do that every game, which is five to seven is not that bad. I feel like five to seven times you get the ball down there, make your move, go to the rim and just continue to do that. Continue to play this kind of game. Every game. You're not going to always have the same results where you have the 18 rebounds. You might get 24 points one night or so, but tonight I don't even care about the points. The effort was there. That's all I care about. That's what I care about. When Booker comes back and you're more comfortable with everything that's happening when you get in the ball and, the, and he talks about the defenders coming over, there's three of them or four of them, you'll know what to do. But you, it just has to be on him to continue to play like this every night, not take the, like the last two games where he took those nights off. He's fucking sucked. Mm-hmm. And then now he's back to playing DeAndre in basketball. He just has to do it. Out of everybody on this team, he has to be this guy every night in order to get better. Yeah, and it was great to see him. It was great to see him constantly on the boards. And the key was the effort on the box outs. That's what I was noticing was the effort yeah. on the box yep. out. It, it was taking, as you mentioned, it was taking Jared Allen just completely out of the play. He did such a solid box out, and it looked like, especially at the beginning of the game, he was boxing out Jared Allen to open up rebounding for Torrey Craig. And ultimately, it de- it it deterred Jared Allen enough to where he stopped giving effort. I'm like, oh, my God, it looks like DA some nights where he gets boxed out a few times, like, well, fuck it. What's the point? The guy's going to get me every time, so I'm going to stop trying. That's what he looked like. you know. So it was really impressive to see him do that. Uh, I like what No Good says in the chat. This is a good statement. And thank you for hanging out with us. No yeah, good. he always has good and stuff all to of say. You. All of you have good stuff All to of say. you do. Keep all saying it. Keep saying it. We appreciate it. He says, DA was looking great in the pick and roll when we were dropping it immediately after the roll. The passer's taking too long for the pass, and by that time, there's no opening. And that's where I get frustrated, especially with Chris Paul sometimes. Is Chris Paul, he's the key, he's the king of the pick and roll. And when he pops that ball in there quick, like DA gets it and he'll he'll attack. But I feel like there'll be one time where where in the pick and roll, Chris Paul will try to hit DA. It'll be a little bit low. DA will try to go down or he'll fumble it. And he's just not. I think DA likes to when when the pick and roll happens, I think DA, he's looking for the alley oops. Like that's what he's looking for. He's looking for that high pass. And I feel like Chris Paul, whoever's running the PNR with him, 
if they're trying to get that pocket pass to him and he fumbles it once, they figure he's not going to be ready for it again. And by the time they can give it to him, it's too late. And the opposition has either collapsed on it, the they've dropped on it, or they have a weak side defender come and take him out of the play. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And DA doesn't have that move yet. He, he shows it a few times. Tonight he did a little bit of a back down kind of spin thing against Allen, and it looked good. He just never does it. So if he has that in his arsenal where he can just pull that out where he gets the ball in the pick and roll, does a quick spin like a Amari Stoudemire thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to I gotta just relax. It's not like Tom Chambers over here telling him, <laughs> just saying what this is what I think he should do, but it's not him. You know what I mean? So if he had that, they'd be more comfortable. But when he gets the ball in that spot, it's a really uncomfortable situation where if he's not, if he doesn't have a move, you're either going to get a charge or you're going to end up turning the ball over, which happens mm-hmm. a lot. So the alley-oop is the safest thing. Mm-hmm. It just sucks that we're so limited just to that. I, I wish there was more off that PNR this team could do because you're right. Back it's crazy. in the Amari days, they could do 30 things off that PNR. And this, it's just like it's going to be a midi by Chris Paul. He's going to oh, he's going to kick it out. If somebody collapses on him, he's going to kick it out there. And like three times out of ten, is he's actually going to pass it to DeAndre. You know, but again, mm-hmm. if you're looking for reasons why the Phoenix Suns lost tonight, I'll tell you one thing: it was not DeAndre. And so y'all can put that in your pipe and smoke it because that's that's a lot of the devi- de- divisiveness that's going on right now within the Suns fan base is a lot of people are starting to draw those lines on DeAndre Ayton because guess what? You know, it's easy not to draw lines on DeAndre Ayton when the team's winning and you're like, yeah, but like, it doesn't matter. They're not winning or they're, they're, they're winning. And he's still only given, you know, X amount of, of points, X amount of shot attempts, X amount of field goal percentage. But when you start to lose, you you really start pointing those fingers. And this is where we know that DeAndre Ayton is polarizing. And for those of you who are on Twitter, one, follow the show at Suns jam and two, like just just search Aiden and see how people just start going off on each other. Some people think that he can do no wrong. Some people think he can do no right. And it's like I always I, I always look at DeAndre Aiden like politics, man. Some people just fall into gangs and like they're like, dude, I'm a no matter what, I agree with I agree with everything Republicans do. I agree with everything that Democrats do. It's like if you agree with everything that a Republican or a Democrat does, you're an idiot because there's pros and cons to everything. Same thing with DeAndre. There's pros to his game and there's cons to his games. As you mentioned, you know, he played 36 tonight and he was dogged. Did you know that DeAndre this year is averaging his least amount of minutes per game at 29.1? 29.1. Yeah. His stats stats are kind of down from last year too. Um, Yeah. But that's, that's the frustrating part is I think a lot of it, like you said, it's divided, but a lot of it's just kind of holding him accountable. And like, People feel so bad about even doing that because they get yelled at for it, which is weird because I feel like a guy like him. Is, remember when he was playing and he was dunking the ball this this year when he was playing the game of basketball with Devin Booker mm-hmm, and they yeah. looked fucking awesome and he was dunking the ball like for a week straight, yeah, getting the crowd into it. Yeah, that's what frustrates you because we were in so Texas. Fun. Oh, dude, yeah, that was DA. That was what we want. So. We're going to get different DAs throughout the season, um, but you want more now because you need him to win the game. And a game like this is the reason why we almost won this game because he played his ass off for the majority until he got fucking dog shit tired, which he needs mm-hmm. to work himself into the shape to where he can just take over. When Chris Paul in that carried. big butt is okay and he doesn't need a little steroid shot in that big booty of his to keep going in the fourth quarter, you should be okay towards the end of the game. And I'm saying – I'm. Fat butt over here sitting here, you know. But this, this is my job right here, just to talk shit. <laughs> yeah, if I ever met Chris Paul, I would never say I would never admit to the fact that I 
shared a uh, podcast with somebody who said about shots in his big booty hoe. But uh, <laughs> enough about DA. Let's talk about some DK promos. You looking to make some cold, hard cash? Visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Who doesn't love a good same-game parlay? Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame money line bet on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Win enough money and who knows, Jamsters, maybe we can buy the franchise from Robert Sarver. We've talked about this a little bit in the past, and I thought I'd bring it up again because we have McCoy in the chat. Shout out to McCoy. So that's why JJ should have picked Halliburton. Fire James Jones. What do you think about that, Matthew? I think the draft is tough. And you can't, you can't, I don't like going back to the draft. Be like, oh, we should have fucking got this guy when no one knew how those guys would really turn out, right? Everyone had their favorite. But those guys, I mean, if you're talking Luca Aiden, maybe that's something, but not the whole Halliburton. And the, I'm not dealing with that. Yeah, what do you, you know, think, John? Well, I just... When, when you experience a little bit of hardship, everyone wants to fire James Jones all of a sudden. And I just, I don't get it. I don't, he missed on Halliburton. So what? So do the other nine GMs ahead of him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, like how many people missed on Giannis? I guess we fire all those GMs. I just think that we always want a permanent solution to like a temporary problem. And I just think that I see that in, 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 in comments like what McCoy provided are, started to become commonplace where it's just like, yeah, Aussie Suns fans. Thank you. This is money. We need to just get the fuck over it. We didn't select him. Move the fuck on. And they don't say it, but I'll say you cunts. Like just, we didn't, you know, it's like you, you can't dwell on it. We have certain people who pop in this chat and Luca will have a great game. They're like, should have drafted Luca. I'm like, okay, five years ago, get over it. Like we didn't like, do you just want to live in this fantasy land? The only, the only thing that I wake up every now and then, I wake up and I wonder if maybe I'm living in an alternate reality is if Karis Levert hadn't missed or had made that shot back in the bubble. And we could have just seen the eight, no bubble sons with Ricky Rubio have a shot in those playoffs. It's the only thing I really wish would have happened. Like fuck the draft picks. Okay. We, we could have, we should have selected Luca over, over uh, Deandre. And we should have taken Tyrese Halliburton. You know what? We took Dev Booker. You know at thirteen overall. Yeah, and he's, yeah, he could have missed on that one. He's the best player from that draft, right? Yeah, yeah Carl easily, Anthony Towns. Easily, but... you know, easily they they showed like the most thirty point performances oh, from people from that draft. And he's got like one hundred and sixty. The next guy's got like eighty. He like doubles Dude. up on him. So again, it's just like at what point do you just accept what your reality is, or do you just sit and try to? point fingers forever as to why you don't have success. Cause guess what? At the end of every season, there's 29 teams that don't win a championship. So do we just consistently, I fire the 30, the, the, the 29 GMs who didn't win it. You know, I, I tweeted something out today. I thought it was kind of, I, I laughed at my own tweet afterwards. It's like, I wonder how Igor Kokoshkov or Earl Watson would be managing these, these 
uh, rotations right now. I was like, does anyone ever wonder that? And I'm like, yeah, me neither. You know, because everyone's like, oh, we'll fire James or fire Monty Williams. This team's lost five out of their last 18, or they've won five out of their 18. It's like, you know, it's just, it's yeah. what your reality is, man. It's, do you, uh, or do you blame the, the past or you focus on what to fix it on the future? I feel like when you and I sit here and we have conversations about our frustrations with the Phoenix Suns, we're trying to be like those productive people who are problem solvers. It's like, well, what can we do to get this team where it needs to be? Is it an acquisition? What does Monty Williams need to do? What does Aiden need to do? What is, you know, versus being like, well, none of this would matter if Luca was around. <laughs> solution-based people. Yeah, solution I don't think anyone's – not at all because, I mean, he has his own issues in Dallas too. I mean, the thing is he's scoring a ton of points, and I love Luca. I think they should have chose Luca over Aiden, of course. But the thing is, like, Dallas oh, well. has a lot of issues. And the thing is, in the in the NBA, things are going to turn, turn around so quickly. I mean, I brought up the Nets earlier. The Nets were going to blow it up. Everyone was traded. Now they're on a 12-game winning streak. They look like the favorites yeah. to win the title if they can hold yeah. it together. It took coaching. It took a lot of different – it took Kevin Durant calling out his teammates and then them stepping up. You know what I mean? So we had the meeting. They had the meeting. We ended up losing a game. And if we would have won, we would have been like, hey, that meeting might have worked with the coaches. DA talking about everyone knows their role. They look like they knew their role tonight. They're not going to make every fucking shot because we don't have really real true scorers on the team except for Lee – Maybe and then um, uh, who else? I don't know. Who? <laughs> you know but how much did Damian, you but, Who knows? Like, but like, how much Damian Lee did we get tonight? Sixteen minutes. He shot it four times. How much Josh Okogie did we get tonight? None. Yeah. So what does that tell with, you? What's with yeah? And that's the one thing where coaching can be frustrating. It's not fireable, but when you have a Kogi and you have Washington Junior, which we know. I hate this. I hate this so much because that podcast I had where I'm like, I love the Kogi and Washington Jr. running the backcourt. It was so fun to watch. And then you never saw it again. I hate that. I hate that. Again, you know, you take a look at at James Jones. And and here's the other thing, right? I mean, uh, it was reported earlier this week. I forget who reported. I just read Dave King's piece on it on Bright Side of the Sun. I think it was, uh, what's Cleveland's fat boy? Fat boy? Reporter Windhorst. Oh, Brian Windhorst said that that Robert Sarver has veto power over any trade. We've talked about this a little bit because this is another thing. People are dogging James Jones because he hasn't done shit with Jay Crowder. And am I frustrated that Jay Crowder is still a ball and chain on this team and it's January 4th? I am, but you have to kind of look at the bigger picture. Any trade that James Jones attempts to make. Robert Sarver can simply veto. And we don't know what that means. Robert Sarver's a, an asshole. He might veto things just to, to veto things, right? It's, it's something that the Ishbias won't be, or Ishbia, they, Matt Ishbia and Justin Ishbia won't take over this team till after February, the, the trade deadline, which is a month away. So the, James Jones is somewhat handcuffed in this situation. Yeah. He's somewhat handcuffed. This is a franchise in flux that's in the process of being purchased by new managing partners. They're not going to try. He's not going to try to rock the boat, I feel, too much uh, in an effort to try to move a lot of monies around, considering that these guys are going to come in and they're going to do their own thing. The other side of that equation is his neck might be on the chopping board because they might want to bring in their own guys. That's what new ownership does. So he's not going to go out there and try to give them any reason to do so. Hey, man, you mismanaged this asset. And and that could be not moving Jay Crowder, right? I mean, the the argument goes both ways. 
But part of that is, hey, you mismanaged this asset. You took this and this, and you only got us this in return. You're done. You know, so there's a lot of things, most likely behind the scenes, that we're not privy to as to why James J. Crowder hasn't been moved and James Jones hasn't done anything. Take also into account that Jay Crowder hasn't done anything to help his stock in what he's done. You're a team that's trying to take on this guy for $10 million for half of the year now, and he already showed you he's a big fucking baby. Like, you want to bring that into your team that, that's trying to win? That's a no-go. So, again, you know, once again, the Phoenix Suns, in typical Phoenix Suns fashion, are stuck with an asset that's not going to garner the return that we feel is necessary or even James Jones feels necessary, and he's not going to give, you know, two nickels and a and a dime for 20 cents on this one. Yeah, and if you're, if you're not too careful, too, on Twitter, I feel like a lot of these owners might be looking at Twitter and seeing what's going on and just seeing, like, hey, a lot of these fans don't want James Jones. They don't want Monty Williams as a coach. So if they see that, they don't they don't watch or listen to Suns podcasts. They don't watch the no. Suns probably. Who knows? No. They, they know nothing about the Suns the past two years. They probably know they went to the finals or something, but they don't know the fan base. They don't know what we like, what we dislike. So if you're on, if they're on Twitter and they see that you're bashing James Jones, so they might be like, you know what, these maybe we got to take a look at this guy. Maybe he's not it. So be careful because I like James Jones. I'm a big I James do too. Jones believer. Um, it's just a lot of bad luck this year, man. It's a lot of bad luck. And whatever Chris Paul and Devin Booker did with the Kardashians and the elites to deserve this, maybe they backed away. They're like, we don't want this. We don't want any part of this. And this is why we're suffering. And Bees asks in the chat, he goes, can, can Adam Silver call an emergency meeting for the board? Uh, I'm sure he can, but why would he? Like, there, you don't want to set a precedent with for other what? owners. To, just uh, for an it. emergency meeting for the board and just just take over control. Kind of like what Bud Seeley did with the Milwaukee Brewers years and years ago, where he just took over the team. He's like, I'm going to take it over to the new owners here because you guys okay. are incompetent. You know, Robert Sarver hasn't done anything to say he's incompetent, but he could cock block us essentially for the remainder of the season, distressing his asset as he as he counts his money in fucking Aruba or wherever he's going to be. I've never met. And it still drives me crazy that you're somebody who can purchase. And this is just a, a side because all this this entire podcast is just a side note. It's already 50 minutes in, you know, <laughs> but it's like I don't understand how in this day and age how you can have an asset that, that he bought for like 480 million. He's going to sell it for four billion after sexually harassing people, making misogynistic statements, uh, racist remarks. And his reward is going to be, you know, like a, a thousand percent return on his investment. It's just unfucking believable to me. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Let's uh, let's talk about Landry Shamit or something. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't talk about Shamit. I liked him tonight, dude. All right, well, here we go. All I can say is Sham. Wow. Were you Boy. hustle? Well, we, yeah. We're... Speaking of bad luck, I feel like he just had a lot of shots go in and out, but he was fucking tearing. I thought he was tearing up, but that's Shamit, man. The harder he tries the less luck he has, and he can't help your team win. He'll score, what, 32 points in two games? You go 0-2. Uh, that reverse lay-in he had was beautiful. It went in and it out. in and out, man. Never seen one go in and out like that ever in my life. He had a lot of bad luck. Defense was great. Um, he's kind of back to playing the way he was before the injury and then like the week before mm -hmm. that where he kind of sucked. He's like that guy now. Um, so continue, I feel like, to start him and just continue to ride on him. I think – you ride him to the bed breaks, dude, until yep. Booker comes back. I completely agree. And you won't win a game. You know, 14, <laughs> I know shit. Win fucking 12, 12 shot attempts, 14 total points, 
for Landry Sham. But as you mentioned, a lot of things were just kind of in and out. Uh, he hit a big three. I mean, they, Donovan Mitchell hit a three, put them up uh, 88 to 85. He came down and hit a three that tied it. Uh, and ultimately, it was that final shot uh, by Mitchell that that won the game for this yeah. for this team. You know, but Landry Sham, it was looking pretty good. <clears throat> and again, I, I think that, you know, as you mentioned, you continue to just ride him as much as you can, uh, knowing that you're not going to win anything along the way. Uh, <laughs> it's just that's just the way it is. <laughs> Uh, Black Sunday in the chat, $2 in the super chat. We truly appreciate that. It says, explain to me why a Kogi, Jock, and Dwayne Washington Jr. get zero minutes. <laughs> I can't. I have no idea. This is the last game of a road trip. This is one of those ones where you could really empty the bench. I don't know if if Monty was just like, you know what? I'm just going to – we're playing good defense. Again, we held the Cleveland Cavaliers to 15 points in the first quarter and 18 points in the second quarter. You know, we outscored them 29 to 18. So everything was working for the first three quarters. I don't see them drastically changing up their strategy in the fourth quarter as Donovan Mitchell starts to heat up. Would it have been beneficial to maybe bring in a Kogi for about five minutes in the fourth, try to lock down Donovan Mitchell? Maybe, but hindsight's 2020. And looking back, it's still a bit fuzzy. Yeah, these guys disappear. And Dario Saric, I mean, if he probably he played oh, a decent game, Dario. it was decent for Dario. So maybe because of that. Two or three from for that reason, yards? maybe that's why Jock didn't play. Uh, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking if, if Sarge comes out and he's hitting the floor but not scoring or drawing a foul before he hits the floor, then he's taken out. If he's just Agreed. out there rolling around, then he's taken out and we can see more Jock. But, but tonight but, he was decent. And think of this. You're going to keep Dario out there because Monty's strategy was working. The strategy in this game was I'm starting Dario. I'm starting mm-hmm. Ayton, De- DeAndre Ayton because they've got Evan Mobley and they've got Jared Allen. So they have size on the interior, so I'm going to match that size. And our size won, okay? If you look at the combined stats of Evan Mobley and Jared Allen this game, they combined for a total of 16 rebounds, which DA had 18 alone. Dario had four. Uh, and they combined for a total of eight points, whereas DA had 10 or had 15, Dario had 10. So we won the front court battle. And that's something that I was really shocked. I thought they would own us on the glass. The Phoenix Suns out-rebounded the Cleveland Cavaliers 49-46. to We had one more offensive rebound than they had, 8-7. to And if you, if you look at the overall second-chance points in this game for both teams, the Suns had 9, the Cleveland Cavaliers had 8. So the reason we didn't see some of those different variations in those smaller lineups is our big lineups worked in this game. I just again the team just ran out of gas at the back end. It's just it's just the way it is. So I do want to say I did spend a little bit of time on the subreddit for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which, if I remember correctly, is the least populated subreddit in all of True. Reddit. They have seventy four thousand fans on that one, which I think is one of the I think one of maybe two that don't that have under a hundred thousand subscribers to their subreddit. But this is what they had to say on the subreddit stakeout. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. So there I was hanging out in Cleveland, Believe Land, Believe Land, baby. <laughs> hanging out with the, what, what? What are up with those those jerseys they were wearing tonight? By the way, the land. I don't like them. The land with the little C. I I don't like the logo. I kind of like the court though. I thought the court looked kind of nice. I don't like the I don't like the jerseys though. Yeah, I didn't like him either. Uh, end of the first quarter, it was 15 to 14. Somebody said, wait, I tuned into a 1960s game? I thought that was <laughs> valid. 
this is the kind of game you want Mobley to take it to the next or to take it to the next level. We need offense. Unfortunately, that isn't happening. And somebody responded, that'd require Levert to pass the ball. So even a team like them, as we know, you know, everyone bitches about their team. Somebody said, relax, boys. They suck too. Reference to the <laughs> Phoenix Suns. <Yeah. laughs> they do suck. Um, if you remember, there was the play where Landry Shamit kind of reacted and threw his head back after Ev- on uh, Evan yeah. Bowley's elbow. Yeah. They reviewed it. Um, and then they said uh, it was an inadvertent whistle. Somebody said, inadvertent whistle? No, you were just wrong. Like, why can't they just say that? Why can't the referees, can't, why can't the officials just one time just go, oops, we messed up on that. They're like, no, it was an inadvertent whistle. He breathed out when he meant to breathe in oh, on the play. I, see, like, that's, I thought that's what that means, inadvertent. is just meaning, like, we're but, ready but, to blow but, the whistle. We did too soon. Yeah, right? but it's just like the way that you phrase it has is uh, no accountability, in my personal opinion. It's a None. lack of accountability, and that's just the issue. So this is a good statement right here, okay? This, is, this gives you a true understanding how the Cavs fans perceive themselves because whoever wrote this, I thought did a really good job of kind of uh, holistically letting us know how Cleveland feels about themselves, knowing that this is a team that we're going to play in two games. Uh, says horrendous, horrendous half. Yes. Worst I've seen since the 2010, 11 team that lost like 150 or 112 to 57 against the Laker lineup that had Manny Harris in the starting lineup. However, everybody's missing shots and we played terrific D in the first half. The offense, no matter how good of a playbook you have, will, will look awful. If you can't make anything, we scored 145 last game. It's just not hitting this half. Also, y'all are out to kill Mobley like he's an ama- like he's not an amazing generational talent, 21 years old, who has only played 105 career games, and this is his first game back since Indiana. And y'all want to trade Levert every half of every game, and then he always makes big plays or timely shots in crunch time. Just cool it. Stop acting like Browns Redditors. This team is awesome. Oh, that was a great. I like that a lot, especially the Levert thing. Is really true. He's a it's guy I always believe in, and he's he can come through and he can be kind of selfish with the ball sometimes. You know, like this is his team. Um, but I I love his confidence, and I think he does hit big shots. And he's a player that's kind of under the radar. I feel like a lot of well, times. and again they were trashing him like the whole first half. He's a ball hog. He's doing this. He's doing yeah. That. He can be. He can be. You know, but like so is Mitchell. So is Mitchell. So is Devin Booker. You know, no one ever calls mm-hmm. Devin Booker a ball hog, but like he's our ball hog. Every team has to have a ball hog. Mm-hmm. You know, Karis LeVert in this game ends with 21 points, two steals, two assists, six rebounds, seven of 11 from the field. So he's efficient. And like, again, I think he's a really solid player. And it was it was just interesting that that person had said that. Uh, here we go. This is referencing Raul Neto. Neto Neto. Remember him? Do you remember? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do you remember the game in the bubble? The, the, the Suns had like two warm-up games, right? And one thing I believe was against the Washington Wizards or may, or whoever he was playing with at the time. And he went fucking ape shit on us. I'll never forget that about that guy. And somebody said top players of all time. One, LeBron. Two, Jordan. Three, Neto. <laughs> these last two minutes. <laughs> yeah. Every time there was a cut scene and someone hits a three, it was always him. Or someone yeah. doing anything. It was always Neto. Son of a bitch. Uh, can someone please tell me how Chris Paul's slow fossil ass is able to play like he's 10 <laughs> years younger against us suddenly. And then there was the play around the end of the game where Donovan Mitchell kind of slipped and it looked like he pulled his groin. Somebody's like, I will personally ice Don's nuts. Damn. He's going to feel that slip tomorrow morning. So yeah. There, there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, the subreddit. Stay capped. The sun's jam session. Subreddit. Stay capped. All right, let's jam star up in this 
bitch. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, reminder, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it right here on the pod, which we will do momentarily. Matthew, I think it's my turn to go first. I am 100% saying DeAndre Ayton on this one. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go DeAndre. Um, the other guy was Shamit. If Shamit would have made three more buckets, we that would have won. Jamstar. And we would have won. <laughs> we would have won the game. <laughs> Plain and simple. Fucking win so. it. Yep. Oh, Faye. Next up for the Phoenix Suns, they come home finally. Friday, 8 p.m., they are playing. Whew. The Miami Heat. Uh, I'll be at this game. I'm finally going you to will. a Suns game. So it's going to be you and Suns Geek. You'll be doing it. Yes. Maybe I'll check in briefly from the stadium. Uh, no autographs yeah. while I'm at the stadium, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, leave him alone this time. I'll Let him up. enjoy. He's just a regular person, dude. I'll be sitting up in the upper level because I'm poor. Uh, no one. We don't get a lot of super chats anymore, so no one donates enough to the pod where I can get nice seats. So Shame on you, Jamsters. But I'll tell you, this is my first Suns game, I, I think since game two of the NBA Finals. That's the last Suns game I went to. You sure? I didn't go to one last year. Okay, yeah, I think I'm the only one that went to three because you were gone all the time, and yeah, you true. probably felt bad to take a game off because you were always... never on for like the first two months. It was like four games or something, so. Well, I just, I missed every You're... Friday because I was flying and they were doing yeah. those orange fucking crush Fridays <laughs> yeah. every goddamn Friday. Yeah. But then you probably felt better. Like, I can't miss a game or whatever, but yeah, this year... Just relax a little bit. This year we need to yeah, well, relax and go to some games. Maybe the the tickets are cheaper. Who knows? Well, and, and one thing, Jamsters, we'll throw this out there. You know, Brightside Night is a coming. That's going to be yeah. January yep. 30th. Uh, if you donate $150, you're going to send uh, 10 kids to go to the game. And right now it's three for one. So if you go to suns.com backslash Brightside, you can donate and send kids. And if you do 150 bucks, like Matthew and I did, we combined to do it. It gives you two upper level tickets. So Matthew and I will be at that game. We'll have to figure out what we're going to do relative to a podcast, if at all, after that game. Maybe we can go to um, a place after or something. Or maybe we can do it from the court. Be like, Dave, get us down on the court. Yeah, he uh, can work something out, right? Well, they always have a big group picture for the bright side night afterwards on the court. Okay. So maybe we can do some of it down there. And it's just you and I walking around from different sides. Then we meet in the middle. And we're like, high five. Yeah. <laughs> let's do you know, that. But do it. Do let's it, Jamsters. It let's go yeah. to that game. Let's all go to that game. Let's all go have a good time. But I'll be... Uh, not present for the podcast on this one. It'll be you and Suns Geek. Uh, win for the Suns coming home? Um, no, I think tonight was the chance to get the win. Fuck. Uh, now the- Fuck, I want to go see a game. I don't know. Actually, win. you know what? I think it's going to be one of those games you're going to go to, and you're going to go, and you'll be like, damn, dude, look at this court. It looks so fucking awesome. It's the first time seeing this court, right? Or no, it's the they use a fucking old court for this one, yeah. regular court. I was thinking this is like their city one. No. You'll walk in, and I'll clear my throat. After oh. the podcast, we're still talking. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Well, there you go. Great uh, stuff. Great stuff. God damn it. <laughs> um, let's see. What else do we have? So one thing before we get out of here, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, you know how at the beginning of the season, we we're talking about all the City Edition stuff? Yes. I'm like, I will not spend a red cent on anything City Edition. Here I am rocking, like, my favorite new Suns hat. It's this, you know, it's it's all black. It's got the blue city edition logo with the, the the 22 tribes of arizona i think it's really cool and i just thought i ended up spending a red cent yeah that's nice um I, i'm gonna get a gift card for um nike i think i'm gonna get some shirts on there they have some nice sun shirts on nike do they nike.com yeah we gotta reach out and see if nike wants to be a sponsor of the show we're they big should. time now so. why not yeah I mean, we get, we, yeah come on just do it just do it <laughs> on that note, Jamsters, again, thanks for hanging out with us after this game. Another rough one for the Suns. 
Uh, but we will endure. Hopefully I get to see a victory in person because the last game I went to, they won. It was the last game they won that season. So uh, until next time, Jamsters, thanks for hanging out with us on the Suns Jam Session broadcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, hit that thumbs up. But, oh, I got to I got to read our review. What am yes, I doing Yes, please here? do. So uh, the Can't newest wait. five-star review on Apple Podcasts comes from KG. I can't even read. KJD1960 exclamation point. He goes, real yeah. fanatics, tune into the Suns Jam Session podcast. And he goes, I've listened to most of your 400 shows, and I want to thank you sincerely for the entertainment you provide. I don't think there's any other TV show, podcast, or YouTube channel that I spend more time with other than the Suns games, other than Sun games themselves. Matthew and John define what it is to be a fanatic and do an incredible job storytelling the narrative of the season for a community uh, uh, for a community of other Suns fanatics. Uh, appreciate that very much. Again, yeah, thank you. Nice, you know, nice to hear. Truly appreciate that. So uh, again, head over to Apple, give us one of those five star reviews. Uh, until Friday night, stay home and drink your beer. Go home and yeah, review your family. Review them. Just give them a five-star review, unless you have that one bratty kid, like two and a half stars. If you know Boyd from the Aussie Suns fan podcast, he probably <laughs> a bunch of one stars. Come on, Boyd, you better. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.